You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. This podcast has been brought to you by Cuts by Candice. Candice Gist is a hairstylist that listens to your needs and will work with you to get the right look for you. With 18 years of experience, Candice is the premier stylist that I trust with my look. And right now, if you mention this ad when you make an appointment from now until the end of February 2019 and give our promo code GEEKOUT, you will get 10% off your hair services. Follow Cuts by Candice on Facebook and Cuts underscore Candice on Instagram and start looking the best you, you can. I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I kind of lost track myself. Being this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, bunk? So I really want to talk about something that I find kind of odd, because, you know, we, we like to talk about movie tropes a lot, just in conversation, not so much on the podcast, but I was wondering, the final girl trope, you know, you know this trope? Um... I've I've not heard of it called that. Really? So the the, yeah, the final girl. Go ahead. Yeah, the final girl trope. Usually in slasher films, it's the the pure girl that is um, the main character that survives at the end and usually defeats the monster slash slasher. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The the like the one that confronts the killer. Right. Yeah. Or the mythical monster. Or the you know, uh, the vengeful demon or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, Laurie Strode in Halloween or um, what's what was uh, Sydney in uh, Scream for more recent um, examples. But yeah, I mean, you've got I mean that like Halloween, Texas Chainsaw Massacre's got it, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, right? Yeah, uh, Nancy and uh, Alien. Yep, 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 yeah. So what I I guess what I wanted I was bringing it up is that I mean we we love movies and we love you know the idea of Hollywood and stuff like that, but you know Hollywood Hollywood obviously has had its um lots of its turn at, at being misogynistic and terrible towards women. And, uh, it's, it's even only recently that it's, you know, kind of starting to ease up or, you know, turn around. But, uh, the idea that there's this whole genre of film that is dedicated to making a strong female lead character. I, and you know, I, I, I rag on horror movies, especially slasher movies all the time. It's just I I don't know do you, I, do you find that weird that there was a such a progressive character archetype in the in the middle of such a misogynistic film era? Well, I mean, I, I think I don't know. It's interesting because the way that I kind of think of that trope is, um, I guess, in a sense that where typically those films you actually kind of start off not really following that character's perspective it's almost like a transitional thing into their perspective towards like the progression of the film and closer towards the end um i don't know i it's really difficult for me because i mean i think just you know yes obviously there's a lot of disparities in film and in society and all that stuff and all that stuff does need to get better but you know it's it's crazy to me though because i don't know how many times a day now you know, I'm having a conversation with someone about film and, and it's it's usually followed up with, well, that film would never get made today. Um, you know, I mean, like we've really moved into a, a, a thing where like society's gotten really sensitive, but I, I, I can't say that it's not completely warranted, but I mean, you know, I don't know, like I look at Alien and, you know, Sigourney Weaver kind of paved the road for like female badasses to be like a thing in my opinion, you know? And I, I, I don't know, like, I, I don't know, maybe I'm not even understanding your question. My brain is a little bit fried right now, but, um, Oh, it's not really a question. I just, I mean, I mean it is, but I just, I, I it's just something that I was thinking about as I was driving. I tend to do, uh, it's just in, in most pictures, most movies, especially before now, you would find, uh, I mean, the female lead usually has to take a back seat to the male lead. You know, there's, uh, there's, there wasn't a lot of good, strong women roles 
in the sea of films that, that are out there. Yeah, there were some out there, but there wasn't a lot. But if you take a look at the horror genre in general, the final girl trope makes it so that the female a female character is pretty progressive because it's the one it's our hero of the story i don't know it's just something that i always thought well, was interesting or in, I just started in some cases uh i would say that that is true uh like in aliens uh i, I think that's a really good one to to cite for that because she kind of like progresses and and eventually kind of saves herself um however i would say you know there's a lot of movies especially in this time period like you know for for horror when it was like kind of really big which would probably have been uh i don't know late 60s to early 90s maybe um would would be kind of a, a golden era of of like horror of, of genre of that specific type but there's a lot of instances where they kind of get saved at the last minute um by a male not, figure, yeah. Not, yeah, yeah, exactly. Not by their own, you know, uh, ingenuity or, or survival instinct or any of that stuff. Uh, you know, there is a lot where where police officers or stuff show up. And, and that's what I mean. Like, it, it's crazy to me because, like, that's kind of, like, now gone to, like, an extreme where, you know, you can't even show, like, a male character helping a female character in a film now. You know, it's like you look at Ray from Star Wars and it's gone to such an extreme that it's like, you know, we can't have Luke teaching her really anything like directly, you know, and uh, and I think that that that's good in, 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 in some ways. But, you know, I think that the reality is, is that we just need to like work to creating more equal footing for all characters, whether it's female uh, minority, you know, um, things like that. Like, I, I just think we need to start trying to move to a point to where there's more equal footing for uh female characters but you know and again i don't know it's really like i i hate even talking about it because there's so many people that are just like oh well you know you're a guy so invalidate his opinions automatically and rightfully so i mean totally understand that but i just i think it has come to an extreme and you know i think it's unfortunate because i i think we do need way better roles for for women i think we still need better roles for for women uh as well as minorities um you know but it is weird to think that horror films i guess kind of in a way did pave the ground for a lot of like female action and and action stars and heroes and things like that and i don't know for me like the archetype of that like i said really does come from alien you know i think sigourney weaver is a really strong female character in that movie she's a badass in that movie and like the character of ripley just continues to go on to become like such a badass you know in 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 all of those films. So I, I don't know. I think the other situation is horror is kind of a situation where it's a little bit unique in the sense that it almost always uh, gets distribution or is, is sold. Like you can have a, a great uh, horror films, uh, something to the effect of like get out um, or, you know, you can have like the absolute crappiest horror film, like Ginger Dead Man or, you know, <laughs> Snakes on a Train or any of these like super like low, low, low budget independent movies that are, are clearly just, uh, you know, getting made very quickly. Uh, so I think I think, you know, a super long way to answer your question to that is probably with horror kind of having that ability to be marketable no matter what the parameters for it are i think kind of because because that's a closed a closed mindedness to, that was like happening right is that oh well we can't have a strong female heroine because that movie's not going to make money right um which is the same argument that we often see for like minorities as leads and things like that well oh like there hasn't been a movie like you know that that really has showcased that uh, Asians can be strong leaded characters. And like Bruce Lee was fought that a lot during his American film career, you know, and, and kind of took a back seat on uh, um, was a green Hornet and stuff like that, where, right. you know, couldn't really play the main character because, you know, of, of really stupid decision-making. But I think maybe that's the, the situation is, is that studios looked at it and were like, well, you know, 
it's lowbrow, it's horror, who cares? <laughs> and, you know, in, in some instances, like, that's actually kind of a good thing because I think had that not happened and had you not been able to see these horror films become successful, uh, you know, there's a good chance that it would have taken even longer for studios to start moving into allowing uh, strong female-leaded characters. And, and you know, again, it's still really underserved uh, even, even in today's film market. Um, you know, I mean, my God, think about how many comic book movies there are. And, you know, we really only have... Wonder Woman. Uh, eventually, we're getting Captain Marvel, uh, but currently, we we pretty much just have the Wonder Woman film. We don't we didn't get a Black Widow standalone. Uh, I, I, there there might be something I'm missing here, but I I honestly, other than Wonder Woman, cannot think of one female standalone comic book movie. And we're going on what uh, ten plus years of of like the golden age of of comic book movies. No, you're you're absolutely right. Yeah, there's uh, there's no. I mean, there was Ant Man and the Wasp last summer, but that was Ant Man and the Wasp. So, it's you got you got uh, Captain Marvel coming out in two months. So, that would be your number two. But like, think about that. Like, I, I mean, I don't know how many Marvel movies are there. Do you know? Like, 20. is there? Are we on James Bond status yet? Are we on like twenty three Marvel movies? Yet? Twenty. Like, is that? Which there's exactly twenty. Yeah. In, in okay, game, and, or Infinity War was 20, I believe. Okay, so you got 20 there. And then do you know rounds about how many DC movies we've had? So maybe we had, we had the... Uh, I want to say six. It's Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and Justice League. So like six or seven, maybe... Maybe nine to ten, if you count the the original Nolan Batman uh, films within that, right? Like, so I mean, we have th that, like, essentially thirty films, and only one of them is a standalone uh, female hero. Right. You know, like that's that's I don't know, that's kind of a disparity. I would say that's pretty bad. Well, I mean, it's changing, hopefully for the better. So. Uh, all right, yeah, I just I just wanted to get that off my chest. I just thought it was an interesting thing to to talk about um, for you know what it was. What made you think of that? Because you're not you're not. Uh, I mean, neither one of us are are huge uh, horror fan junkies. I mean, like, what what were you? Honestly, it was just like, what led you to that. It's it's because I'm not a horror fan, and I was just thinking about most of the horror movies that I I, I just that were coming to mind, and I was like, oh, it's interesting for a uh, industry that hasn't really been great to women for a very long time that there would be a whole genre that um depends on a strong female character to carry the movie well that's interesting too because i mean um i don't know that i guess you're right that is kind of fascinating um i think it would be funny though like if they kind of changed that you know what i mean where it's just like a bunch of dudes getting murked by some endless serial killer you know what i mean like just really cheesy like horror film flipping it on its head type situation would be pretty hilarious i think yeah i mean i i'm sure there's the someone someone's got the idea out there scream is kind of a genre trope you know uh turning movie in itself but that's true. It works. Kind of like uh, Cabin in the Woods. I think Cabin in the Woods probably did that like the strongest uh, currently, at least. But. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I love Cabin in the Woods. You know that though. Uh, I guess. Uh, oh, sorry. You're like keep trying to transition. I'm still sitting here on this. No, but it's no, okay. Like, okay hey, what, so, do you, what do you want to say? Well, no, no, no. Like, I, it, I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking about it. Like, this is like, I guess, kind of what I'm talking about, right? So, like. I definitely I want to make this clear because I like I literally want to make this super clear. Like I definitely understand and agree 100 percent that we need uh, stronger films for for females and minorities. But like, OK, so um, Jason Reitman releases a teaser trailer for essentially Ghostbusters 3. Right. Right. It's it's not attached to the reboot. It, it's it's its own thing. It's going to follow kind of the course or the trajectory that we were put on from from Ghostbusters one and two, which 
for me, I get stoked about that because the, the conversation uh, that I always have with everyone is that I love Ghostbusters. I want everyone to love Ghostbusters. I think it's it's wonderful. But to me, the 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 reboot that they did was a totally different brand of humor than the original Ghostbusters, for me at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now you have all these people that are coming out that are like super mad that they're not already making a sequel to that film which i would agree if you like that film like it it probably does sting a little bit to you know not get that and then be like oh well they're doing this other movie but the thing is is that this movie was being talked about before that reboot even happened like i i remember them talking about like wanting to do a ghostbusters 3 like back when uh i think i think it was back when harold ramus was potentially still alive that they were trying to get that off the ground so like i don't think it's fair to be mad that they're finally doing that but like that's what i'm talking about when i say like you know people have become way too sensitive it's like you you there is still a chance that you could get a sequel to the reboot of ghostbusters but like i don't understand why it has to necessarily happen before a different ghostbusters movie comes out you know what i mean like i think that's a little like silly to me like that and then there's all these people getting mad that they didn't change the title for men in black and it's like well i mean okay i guess but i mean what are you you know what i mean like what are you gonna just change it to like people in black like the pibs you know what i mean like i don't know like i just think we've become a little too sensitive and we're kind of starting to get to a point where as a internet culture we're cutting off our nose despite our face type thing you know well i I wouldn't say that we're too sensitive i think the thing is that people have always been outraged by things they're just now able to be more vocalized about it um and that's that's that is because the internet but then i also i also do honestly believe in the vocal minority i i believe that there is there are uh very few people that are actually getting mad about certain things and because the internet is such a massive megaphone that they are being heard and so people can you know uh media so to speak can pick up on whatever it is that someone is saying and be like and then and then amplify that megaphone even further and be like hey well look people are upset about this and it's just like and then then there's the the outrage to that it's just the ah why are people upset about this that's stupid you know that's that's just it's getting and i'm not picking on you particularly i'm just i'm just talking about internet in general so it just becomes a a a yelling match back and forth i mean i i i'm i'm one of the people that i i i really enjoyed the ghostbusters reboot with um uh kristen wig kristen wig and kate mckinnon well kate mckinnon the most i thought she was her her character was the best i thought she was the best acting in that but also melissa mccarthy and leslie jones um do am i upset that there's not going to be a sequel to that one no do i you know is sony gonna just keep making ghostbusters movies for as long as they possibly can to, to just keep that that brand out there of course they are so when this ivan reitman uh or i'm sorry jason reitman sequel comes out and if it does well if it doesn't do well you know they might still go to kevin not kevin feige paul feig and be like hey <laughs> let's make a sequel to yours and then how, how do you know you know 10 years down the line there's a a movie where the the two universes cross because it's supernatural and we're t- talking about dimensions and stuff it's just yeah it's it's i i i, I i'm with you in the fact that uh we are able to see people's outrage outrage more than we were back in the day but i I also i also let most shit just roll off my back like oh yeah i i agree with you i think that that is definitely the way to handle it but i mean i think when you have studios that are canceling films or you know completely changing things just because of uh you know the outcry of uh of like you said a vocal minority i like i think it really just kind of it creates like a toxic ownership you know what i mean like i i personally was like super disappointed with the the stuff that they did with star wars but you know i'm like all right cool whatever like there's people that enjoy it so it's their thing now and you know if they do put something out that i'm interested in then i'll go watch it but you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna like 
take to the internet and be like, oh, like burn Disney to the ground and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, I think that's kind of like ridiculous. I, I, I think it's totally within the realms of having like constructive conversations about things. I think that's kind of what we try to do on on here fairly regularly, um, you know, and, and that sort of thing. But, I, you know, I don't know. I think it is just really sad when you can have a, a group of people that like entirely can derail something like just by being a vocal minority. I think mm. that's really unfortunate. Yeah. No, I mean, it is the day, it is the age we live in. So, and I mean, like you're, you're, you know, you have Asian heritage. Like, do you, I mean, like, do you recall like what the first movie you saw where you kind of like felt like represented? Like, Oh, honestly, I don't think I've ever really felt represented in a movie. <laughs> really? Yeah, and it's not I and that's maybe it's cuz I don't just I I don't identify myself by my mixed race like thing. Like that's sure. that's not a thing that's always been in the forefront of my mind. Um I guess uh oh, so you're talking a little bit behind the scenes if people don't actually know me. Uh I've always been a heavy set guy throughout my whole life, so I've I guess I've always identified myself that way more than anything and you don't ever see fat people as the lead uh in a movie until most recently i mean i guess you, you talk about like john candy or chris farley and stuff but see those are like those are comedic roles and and you know there it's more people are laughing at that person than than anything else but uh it's i don't know it's it's i've never if if you want to talk about like asian wise uh, yeah, I I wouldn't say that I've ever really felt represented in a movie because of that. But that's because it's I'm, I, and, and and people would go to like, hey, well, you can watch Crazy Rich Asians because the female lead in that is Constant Wu plays a American Asian or Asian American as opposed to her fiance in the movie, who's you know an Asian that came to America to. Uh, to uh, go to college and stuff like that. So, as a Asian American, I don't know. That's it's not something that I've really thought about. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I was just you know, I just think it, I was just curious because I mean, See, you know, that's, I, that's like the big thing for a lot of people. Is yeah, they, representation they is a huge thing to for a lot yeah. of people nowadays, and and I get it. And I th we've had this conversation before, I think. Or maybe I had it on another podcast. It's kind of weird, but to me, um, representation is, is important. I understand that, but I find it that you should find inspiration in characters more than you should find the character to be you. If that makes sense. Like when I'm watching, if I'm watching Wonder Woman, I feel like I should I, I take from that character her sense of, of, of history and, um, you know, power and, and compassion and, um, you know, uh, battle strategy, you know, like I, those are the traits I want to be inspired to have in my life as opposed to, well, I can't deal with this character because I'm not a female Amazon warrior lady. Like it, I think that's wrong. You shouldn't go into a movie to look for yourself. You should go into a movie to be inspired to be the better you. If that makes if if that makes sense. No, I, I think it does, and I I think that that's a really good. Uh, I think that's a very good way to look at it. To be honest with you, I and I I think you're absolutely right. I would totally agree with that. You know, I absolutely would agree with that. Yeah. So yeah, because yeah, and I totally had that. That like. <sighs> Cultural appropriation. Okay, this is not where I wanted this conversation to go. <laughs> but that's been a huge thing as of the last few years, too. Like, people um, not doing, you know, cultural appropriation, which I understand that, too. Like, if you're going to go in and you're going to put on blackface or you're going to wear, um, you know, a Native American headdress to do some stupid shit and stuff like that, like... Yes, you're being a dickhead and you're 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 wearing up stereotypes that are horrible and you should get all the, you know, uh, insults rained down on you that could possibly happen. But if you love a culture 
just because it's not your culture, you should still be able to love that culture. So if a buddy of mine who's, you know, super into anime and uh, she, she, you know, has a kimono or she partic- she does a traditional tea ceremony and stuff like that, that should not, she shouldn't get, you know, in trouble for, for liking those things or taking the time to learn an appropriate, you know, tea ceremony. That's, I mean, you can, you would say, some people would say that's a cultural appropriation. That's not yours. You shouldn't do that. But that's, that's her expressing her love for that, you know, like saying, Hey, I love this thing. You know, let me do it the right way. Kind of, I don't know. Like once again, it's people going too far in one direction. Well, and that, yeah, and and I agree, and I think that's kind of the the sentiment of of really the whole conversation that we've had so far is that yes, there are things that have become problematic, but there's some extremists that are are really taking things to the opposite end of the pendulum. Right. Exactly. So, and and that's exactly that's a, a great example too. It's it's it is a pendulum. The thing is, is that it's been so far to the left side for so long that you know uh it, people have brushed off racism or misogyny and stuff like that or you know not having equal equal rights for minorities that now it's swinging the other way and we're going to have to deal with the fact that well you know people are upset by the smallest things and then eventually we'll get to the middle where you know we can all live and not be upset with each other all the time and coexist you know what i mean yeah, yeah, I agree. So, all right, that's our our political soapbox for this year. We got it out of the way <laughs> right at the beginning. Uh, we 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 will come back to it if we want if we we feel like we need to. But you know what's exactly twenty or thirty four days thirty days away from now? Is it the Oscars? It is the Oscars. Oh my gosh! So. You have 30 days, and I know you're a busy, busy oh, man, <laughs> and you always, every year, say you want to watch every uh, movie that's nominated for the best picture. Like, you're not even talking about all the movies that are nominated for all the categories, just best picture. I think you can get it done in 30 days, because this year they have eight movies. So the the Academy Awards, you know, is, is uh, there's always going to be at least five movies, and they can have up to 10, but they don't have to have 10. So we have eight movies to, to watch uh, in 30 days. I I'm only have shocked they got to eight this year. I only have four, I, and I think I think last year they had six. If I remember yeah. correctly, do you remember? I don't correctly? know. I, I feel like this year has not been a particularly strong year for films. Like I don't even remember seeing a bunch of stuff where I was like, "Oh my gosh, that looks so good!" You know what I mean? Like it's really weird. I feel like this was a really like kind of dry movie for for films, uh, which I think is really. Kind of unfortunate. Like I don't know. I felt like last year was so much stronger, but maybe I'm wrong. If they only nominated six last year, no, I, I stand corrected. They nominated nine. Ah, okay. So let's see. Back in 2015, there was eight. 2016, there was nine. 2017, there was nine. 2018, there was nine. This year, 2019, there's eight. So, so one the- less, <laughs> <laughs> one less of quality film from last year. Exactly. So this this year we have A Star Is Born, Black Klansman. Black Panther, Bohemian Rhapsody, Green Book, Roma, The Favorite, and Vice. And I personally have seen Black Klansman, Black Panther, Bohemian Rhapsody, and Vice. Hmm. And you have seen none of these. That's not true. You saw Black Panther. I saw Black Panther and A Star is Born. Oh, you did see A Star is Born. That's right. We talked about <laughs> yeah. that. So so you got two did, out of the I, way. I thought he looked like uh, I couldn't get out of my head that he looked like Andrew Lincoln in The Walking Dead. <laughs> I just kept waiting for him to go around uh, screaming coral everywhere. <laughs> uh, well, like I, I can only speak to the ones that I've watched so far. I'll try and watch the other four before uh, the, the which, Oscars. Which ones have you not seen? I have not seen A Star is Born. I have not seen Green Book, Roma, or uh, The Favorite, which I wanted to see Green Book. I didn't care to see A Star is Born. I tried to start Roma. I'm sorry. Uh, it's it's not because it's a bad movie. It's just I, uh, Alfonso Cuaron is not one of the directors that I, I particularly am fond of. And it just seemed like a very heavy movie that I didn't want to get into. And, I, and The Favorite, like... I don't know. I saw the trailers for that. and I was like, this seems 
a little too silly. Like I, I've never been a person that's a fan of period pieces that are that period. <laughs> so it, it it didn't really talk to me, but I, I'll I'll give it a try. I've been hearing great things about it. Is that on Netflix already, or am I mistaken? I know Roma is. Roma is because it was a Netflix movie, which I think is a huge deal that a Netflix, uh, you know, movie is being um, nominated for a Best Picture movie uh, Oscar. Uh, I think the, it's about time. Comparatively, Amazon's already got one, don't they? I think they had enough. Did they win? Uh, Manchester Ma- by Man- the Sea didn't it win? Manchester by the Sea. I don't know. Yeah, I thought it did. Did it win? I, don't, I might be picture? wrong, but I could have swore it did. No, because 2017 Moonlight won Best Picture, and 2018 mm-hmm. Shape of Water won Best Picture. I don't think they it must came, have gotten it, something for it. Maybe it was acting then. Maybe it they, was Casey they, Affleck or they might have got acting. I didn't they win a Golden Globe? Is that what it was? No, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the favorite? No, I don't believe it's on Netflix yet. Um, it's still in the theaters, if I believe correctly. So, okay, so they they got best actor, best original screenplay. There you go. They were nominated for picture. They were nominated for supporting actor, supporting actress, and director. But they only won actor and screenplay. Okay, so, um, yeah, like I like I said. Black Panther, I mean, obviously I love Black Panther, but I don't see it winning. It's it's awesome that a Marvel movie, a comic book movie was was nominated, but come on. It's not going to win Best Picture. I, you know, I, I feel like that's true, too. Like, I, 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 I don't know. But then again, I'm like, well, they got that Disney money to throw around, so if they ca- very well could buy themselves an Oscar with Black Panther. If campaigning is a is is a strong is as is a big a deal as you know some people make it out to be, then yeah, it's a possibility. Um, I also loved Bohemian Rhapsody. I also don't think that's gonna win <laughs> because, uh, and to be honest, I like I said, I love the movie. It's just I don't think the movie it's by itself is the strongest point of that movie like the music the performances that that's probably like the the strongest thing the movie itself isn't 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 it's thin is i guess is the best way to put it so out of the four that you've seen what would you say the best picture is out of the four that i saw yeah yeah (laughs) if if only those four were nominated and i said which one's going to get the best picture nomination Black Klansman, and that's close hmm. behind Vice, like Vice or with Vice right behind it. Like those two movies, I could, I could see you know being up there. Um, I liked Black Klansman. I just felt like it was not uh, Spike Lee's strongest um, showing. If that makes okay. sense. Okay. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And then, and then that's almost the same exact critique I have with Vice, like. The Big Short was so great the year that came out, and Vice. I, and I think I talked to you. I, I we talked about this when we talked. Uh, I talked about it before. Yep. Is that it's just it's just seems so. Um, what's the word? Uh, bullish. Like it just you know, I I I don't think Dick Cheney's a good guy. I don't like him. I think he's a horrible person. But like the way the movie makes it, it's just like, oh man, you're picking on him too hard. <laughs> What's what, yeah, like everybody I've heard talk about this movie is like they paint Dick Cheney as basically worse than Satan. You well, know, like they it's funny you bring that him. up because you know oh. Christian Bale when he accepted his uh, Golden Globe for portraying Dick Cheney, he said, "I'd like to thank Satan for creating Dick Cheney so that I would have this role." <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it is crazy to think, though, that he shot someone in the face. And never said, I'm sorry. And that guy. No charges. Well, the other guy went on national television and said, I am sorry Dick Cheney had to go through this after shooting me in the face. <laughs> I mean, I think if someone shoots me in the face and I live, I'm going to apologize to them, too, just so they don't shoot me in the face again. Fair enough. And that's such that's a, a tiny part play. of the movie, too. It's hilarious. Yeah, that's crazy. And like, I honestly didn't even really recognize that that was uh, uh, Christian Bale uh, at first. You know, he's got a lot of prosthetics and 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 stuff like that on. You see him, you're like, 
And they're like, oh my God, that's <laughs> Christian Bale. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty nuts. So, I don't know. I think it's really interesting because I haven't seen, I really haven't seen a lot of these. So, I, I mean, you know, obviously I, I, I don't have a, you know, I don't have a horse in the race, so to speak here. Well, but. then from the two movies you saw, Star Wars Born and Black Panther, which one do you think is going to win? Oh, man. You know, it's, I don't know. It's so tough. I I, I feel like uh, A Star is Born has a has a potential to, to do it because... Uh, obviously, Bradley Cooper has been involved in the the Oscars circuit before, and he he does know how to uh, campaign and do all that sort of stuff because he's you know been nominated and won a couple uh, you know. So I think that kind of helps him a little bit. But you know, then again, Disney's got that that never ending supply of Mickey bucks. Uh, that they can just feed around to people. So I don't know. I, I again, I out of all the Marvel movies, I don't think Black Panther was the the strongest, uh, unfortunately. Um, but I also didn't think that A Star Is Born was particularly as great as everyone made it out to be either. I I enjoyed the soundtrack to it a lot, but uh, the <laughs> actual movie itself, I was like, yeah, it's good. It's a good movie. Same with Black Panther. It's a good movie. Uh, but you know, I, I wasn't blown away by either one of them. Uh, but I also feel like that's just kind of a general theme of this year. Like, I don't think there's any movie on this list that I have heard people just go absolutely crazy for, um, which I think is usually kind of the opposite. Usually there's at least like two or three movies where you're like, oh, yeah, like, you know, every like this movie came out and like, all film goers were just like raving and ranting about this particular movie. Like, you know, it's not shocking that that movie's in there, but this year I, I really have not heard hardly anybody talk about these movies. I, I feel like I've, I've heard a lot of people talking about Roma and how much they loved it. So I, I think that's might be the, the front runner along with uh, green book because green book did just win the golden globe. But like we said last time is that it, you know, not so much lately, has uh the the golden globe indicated who's going to win uh the best picture here plus there is a lot of controversy around green book right now with the with the family of the character that maharshal ali plays um dr shirley um so there there's a lot of that going around and we'll we'll see we'll see we got 30 days you can go watch as much as you can richard yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna try (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least Roma's on Netflix. That'll help me at least knock one out. There you go. That's the fighting spirit. Right? All right. Thank you, Netflix. Uh, all right. Well, is there any other particular uh, category you'd like to, to talk about at least? Um, yeah. Okay. It's, but, you know, for me, I guess uh, if I was going to pick a best picture out of everything I actually saw this year is a small tiny small little animated movie <laughs> that came out this year called spider-man into the spider-verse oh i love I that movie <laughs> no i did too i loved it too but i think it's i don't know i think it's so stupid that we have to segregate animation and regular films like we why why can't spider-man into the spider-verse just be in the running for best picture well i mean doesn't the the producer of the movie decide where it's going like don't aren't they the ones that decide? So they could have uh, put it in there, I but I don't think I've ever seen an animated film up for Best Picture, though. Oh, that's be not wrong. true. Uh, Be- Disney's Beauty and the Beast was up for Best Picture in 1994. What was that? Yeah, 1990. Yeah, I don't remember what year it was, but yes. Oh, that was a great year. Disney's <laughs> Disney's Beauty and the Beast was up for Best Picture, not Best Animated Film. Okay, so one. So see, they got that Disney money. So see, Disney's <laughs> making it happen. That's right. Just that one. No, but uh, you know, I I don't know. I really did like that. Uh, th- that whole category, I think, is is actually fairly strong though, because you've got The Incredibles two, Isles of uh, Isle of Dogs, uh, which I also loved. Uh, was it Mira? Probably saying that one wrong. Uh, and then Ralph uh, breaks the internet. Right. So, I mean, honestly, I was kind of shocked with Ralph Breaks the Internet as well. Like, I really was not expecting that movie to be good or really enjoyable at all. Because I was like, oh, like, I was like, he wrecked it once. I mean, do we need to see him wreck again? Like, 
haven't we done all the wrecking that one you know washed up video game character can do? But the answer is no. No. And uh, the, you know, and then you you go and you watch the movie, and I remember us kind of having this moment because we we were watching it together where it starts, and then it's all of these like. Oh hello! I'm uh, I'm an old producer, and uh, I don't know how technology works. And it's got this weird opener to the film where they're like kind of joking about how they they have no idea what the internet is or or how technology works. And we're both kind of looking at each other like, why are they doing this? Like this is horrible. Like if this any indication of what's about to follow for the rest of this movie, it's going to be complete trash. And then it that goes away and like hilarity ensues and there's a lot of like really good strong moral messages in the film about just being a good human being and a good friend and all of a sudden you're thinking well hell who knew that uh ralph breaks the internet was the movie that 2018 needed like this is crazy <laughs> so that that whole category is actually in my opinion a much stronger category than even the you know best picture nominated films like that's crazy I mean, I'm right there with you. It is a great category and, you know, usually dominated by a Pixar film. So I'm hoping Sony can pull it out. I hope so, too, because I, I really do think out of those. I mean, I love Wes Anderson. I loved Isle of Dogs, but I don't know. In, Into the Spider-Verse was just like such a great little film. Uh, I, I shouldn't even call it little. That's yeah. kind of a joke. But <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a great movie. Uh <laughs> But you know, honestly, I, I I think the only one I haven't really seen out of that is the is that uh, I'm I don't think Mira? I'm saying that my Mira, yeah, I, I don't think I'm saying that right. But uh, I, I'm curious to know what that is now because uh, that might be worth watching. Mm, that's interesting. I've never heard of that. I just came across something. So in 1996, for best cinematography. Uh, not the winner, but nominated for best cinematography was Batman Forever. What? Yeah, <laughs> it was all those close-ups of the bat nipples. Uh, yeah, such a wonderful framing. And, Val uh, Kilmer Batman movie. That's that was nominated for best uh, cinematography. That is that is insane, right? That is pretty weird. Yeah, <laughs> that is that is a. Uh, not what I would have expected at all. Uh, speaking of that, though, I think it is kind of interesting that uh, Alfonso Cuaron is uh, nominated for cinematography for Roma. So he was his own cinematographer. I guess so. I did not know that, but that's pretty intriguing. So he's actually up for cinematographer and best director. That's awesome. So, I mean, like, how crazy would that be? Not only if Roma takes Best Picture, giving the first streaming platform a Best Picture Oscar, but he also picked up Best Cinematographer and Best Director all in one fell swoop. Like, I don't think that that's ever happened before. I, I, I wouldn't know. I, yeah, that's... So, uh, but I did find out, and Beauty and the Beast was 1992 that it was nominated mm. for Best Picture, and it lost to uh, Silence of the Lambs. Oh, oh, okay. Could you pick two movies that were more like different from each other? Well, I don't know. Are they? I mean, Beauty and the Beast, <laughs> Stockholm Syndrome. Eh, Buffalo you know? Bill has the dude in the in the well in the hole, right? Yeah. It's fairly. I mean, if there was a point where Hannibal or somebody looked at him and was like, "Get out," uh, you know, I I would have maybe they're not that different. Wow. I mean, I think uh, I think you need to do this video dissertation on how how like these two <laughs> movies are. It's. I think that'd be a great project. I think it'd be more terrifying is like if I'm like getting into it all a like eight millimeter style. It's just like a horrible look on my face as like the frames are clicking by, and then I'm realizing like it's almost a shot for shot remake of each movie, and you're like, God, the parallels are so similar. Like it's <laughs> it's unbelievable. All right, so like I said, I'm I'm looking forward to green, watching Green Book. That, that's something I really wanted to watch. Um, and I will suffer through A Star is Born. That song comes on the radio all the time. <laughs> and it hurts my head. But You I know, though, like, it, it, it actually is a pretty good movie. And uh, I think, you know, really for me, you know, Bradley Cooper does a great job. But, I mean, I kind of expect nothing less from Bradley Cooper at this point. But it's also um, his, his 
directing debut, right? Sure. Yeah, it's his his directorial debut, and uh, it's definitely his like passion project. And and again, mad props to him. I'm not I'm not I'm not dogging him in any way or, or shape or form on this. Like like I said, I expect nothing but but great things from him. But to me, what what really captivated me and blew me away was Lady Gaga's performance. I mean, like she's on screen with him, and there is never a moment where you're like, oh, this seems like someone who hasn't done a lot of acting like it feels like you know she's been acting for like 30 years or more you know what i mean like she does such a wonderful job in her performance that honestly i think that even if you don't like the context of the film or the music of the film and and maybe your case um really just try to focus in on her performance because i honestly the movie is worth its weight in just watching her performance so that could maybe give you something to to alleviate the shallows from from your mind of permanent etchedness from the radio okay that's i mean she's also nominated i believe for best female lead so uh, I believe it. Do you think that this was a passion project for him, though? Because this is the, what, fifth time this movie's been made? Like, I feel like the studio was like, he, he was like, hey, I want to make, I want to direct my next movie. And they were, he probably had something in mind. And the studio was like, well, we want to remake A Star Is Born. And it has, you know, history. It has a legacy. It has, it has something that we can bank on, you know, even if uh, you as a director is not bankable yet. Well, but I mean, I I don't know because the some of the stuff I had read, he had been working on this project for a long time, like a number of years before they actually like greenlit it and and moved it forward. I don't know if any of that is actually true or if that's just like internet MacGuffin stuff. But from from all the stuff that I had kind of heard and and read, he had been working on this project for quite a while, and they had had a, a number of different people attached, and I guess. Uh, he eventually met with like, I don't remember if it was like randomly or how it went down exactly, but he ended up in, running into Lady Gaga and kind of was like pitching her on it. And they kind of just like ended up jamming out and they were both like, yeah, we totally, you know, like this is, this is it. And uh, I don't know, you hear him talk about it and I don't know, I feel like it is a passion project for him because even if, even if it wasn't like an original idea for him, like, like you said, you know, this is really his first time directing. And I feel like, I feel like there are first time director missteps in the film, but I also feel like there's that first time director, like, unyielding passion for what he was doing and i do believe that he poured his heart and soul into making that film let me ask you this since i hadn't watched it yet um and i don't know if i asked you this when we talked about the movie but you know he's he worked real close with um clint eastwood when they made uh american sniper do you feel like there's any of clint eastwood's directing style rubbed off on him or anything like that um I mean, that's, I don't know. It's really hard for me to say that. I don't, I don't, I never got that vibe. Uh, I think quite frankly, like Bradley Cooper has worked with a lot of phenomenal, talented actors and, and, uh, you know, actors that are also directors and, you know, directors standalone. Uh, So I would imagine that there is, you know, I would imagine there's sprinkles of inspiration from almost everyone he's picked up something useful from, you know, uh, but there wasn't anything in it that I saw that was like overtly Eastwood to me that I was like, oh, that's, you know, that's inspiration from Clint right there. But, <laughs> you know, I, I, again, if I watched it a little bit more analytically, would I see that? It's possible. It's definitely possible. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's just something I was interested in. Uh Okay, well, we'll talk about the Oscars more when uh, leading up to it, but I just wanted to get, I wanted to make sure that you knew you had 30 days to watch those eight films or, or six <laughs> films, I guess, in your your uh, your case. Oh, it's so many. <laughs> it didn't used to be. That's the tragic thing. That, I mean, I used to watch like 30 movies a week, but hey, now I'm like, I'm barely getting one a month and it's 
tragic. I'm currently on day 24 of the 365 challenge, movie challenge. I don't know if you know, but... I do know. I've been <laughs> following you on that social medias. But Looks yeah. like Netflix is doing all your heavy lifting. That's right. <laughs> Netflix is doing a lot of my heavy lifting because I don't have to go searching i don't have to go to the movie rental place and get a movie or anything like that but uh yeah no i've been i've been doing quite a bit and watching things that i have not i would have probably not have watched before so that's kind of i think that's kind of interesting um but, but then again, like I, that's the beauty of netflix though right is because you're you're you are more willing to take a chance because you're not like plopping down 15 bucks for a ticket or you know and 30 bucks for like popcorn and snacks like you're like okay cool like if this movie's garbage i will just turn it off and i will immediately start another film and it uh i've already paid for it yeah exactly it's you've already paid for your subscription so it's almost like you're getting to see the movie for free and and yeah that's it, it's exactly true it's uh i'm I, like like i said before i'm not i'm not having to go to the movie rental place to pick up a movie or anything like that i just it's right there i just select it it's it's if it's something that i've heard other people say they liked it i'm like okay well let's see why they liked it you know what 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 do i enjoy about it and i I have been finding stuff that I was like, oh, okay, that was that was nice. It was like, oh, I don't I don't quite understand why people like this, but yeah, that's uh, that's too. So on my <laughs> journey this year, I started on the first of the year. Uh, Hulu and Netflix both dropped documentaries that are about the same subject. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure you heard about this. It's called the Fire Festival documentaries. Now, uh, I have to admit. When the whole scandal with the Fire Festival happened, I didn't even know about the Fire Festival as a thing until after it happened, like the weekend that it happened and everybody was complaining, like all the people that were supposed to be there or whatever. Uh, so, and but that's also not my scene. I've never been to a music festival, never plan on going to a music festival. It's just not a thing for me. But uh, hearing about the and I and then, and then it went out of my brain. And then until the Netflix trailer dropped for their fire, uh, their movie called Fire, the party that never happened, um, I was like, oh, well, yeah, I do want to hear about this. I do want to hear about the sociopath Billy McFarlane that tried to, you know, is rip off people like nobody's business. And then <laughs> Hulu came in and was like, well, you know what? We also made a, a documentary and we were using all of... Uh, Netflix's promotion to uh, promote our film as well because we're going to drop it three days before they drop theirs. And I was like, oh, well, I, I want as much information as I possibly can. And I watched the Hulu one because that one came out first. Uh, both documentaries are great. And both come at it at different directions, I think, which was pretty interesting. Like, yeah, they, they paint – both of them pretty much paint Billy McFarland and, to an extent, Ja Rule as – jerks for what they did well mm -hmm. billy even more so i mean both both of them kind of paint jaw rule as a uh hapless uh sidekick character but the netflix version of it does show a little bit more inside footage of him being like you know like one of the one of one of the things he, they ca catch him on camera saying is uh it's not fraud it's more like false advertising <laughs> but even okay even in that he's like he's not either he's a brilliant genius and he's trying to split hairs on how that that you know that that's not fraud or he just doesn't understand that's exactly what fraud is <laughs> jeez but uh like talking to talking to a few people um and i i take it that you you didn't watch either one of these documentaries no, you know, the, the the fascinating thing is I, I had no idea there was two of them. I recently, because whenever you turn Netflix on, so I usually turn Netflix on when I'm going to bed, and I usually surf around for about 10 minutes, and then I put an episode of The Office on. <laughs> uh, because I, I've watched it a billion times, and it's something that, like, I don't really have to pay attention to as right. I fall asleep. However, when, I, when you go into Netflix, uh, especially on Roku, um, it, it like immediately starts playing a trailer for whatever the first movie on Netflix is. And the very first one that was on there that day was the trailer for that. And I remember watching it and I was like, wow, this actually looks pretty fascinating. Uh, I can't start it right now because I actually want to pay attention to it. <laughs> uh, so I added it to my, my list of things to watch. Uh, but yeah, I haven't, uh, I, I haven't uh, got to it yet. And, uh, yeah. And, and I would say PS4, how I usually watch my Netflix does the exact same thing. It starts the trailer as soon as you are hovering over it. So, 
Um, you know what's funny about that? For just a quick sidebar, though, like I, I found this out the other day, and like, or I realized it, I guess, internally the other day. So, like, it really annoys me that they do that because I'm like, God, I don't like, I, I don't want to see the effing trailer for this. I just, <laughs> I, like, I just show me the cover and I'll move on, right? But now I've gotten so used to that happening that I was scrolling and there was one that had like an interesting cover art that I was like, oh, what is that about? And I scroll over to it, nothing. Ooh. no trailer and i'm like what the i'm like where's my trailer i'm supposed to have a trailer and then i was like oh my god it's happened they've they've molded me into the exact person they I, wanted me to be i was gonna say i do i do like the trailer coming on like that's it, it's perfect for me it's like oh it gives me a little bit of information that i want i you know if i don't want to uh, see the whole thing it's just you know enough for me to be enticed and then there's the ones that it's not an actual trailer they're actually just part playing a clip from the movie, the movie. with yeah. yeah with uh with like their own um you know uh royalty free music playing in the background kind of thing so i was i find that also funny too but yeah then you come across one that has no trailer and nothing plays and I'm like wait what's going on here i don't i need right. to know what this is about and uh, now and now they started getting me this way they they every few days they will change the image of the cover art. Yes, that's true. So you're too. like, oh, what's that movie? And then you go to it, and you're like, oh, that's the same movie. I skipped over like 37 times now. <laughs> well, see, they it's exactly what the, it, it was intended to do. It got you to stop and, and be like, wait, what is this? And then even know, if you didn't pick so up bad. on it. Uh, so bad. Okay, so I like I said, I watched the Hulu one first, and then I watched the Fire Fraud one, or I mean the Netflix one. And like I said, I liked both of them, but I liked the Hulu one better. Uh, I feel, and, and I thought this was interesting because I talked to a friend of mine um, who also had watched both of them and he liked the Netflix one more, but he also said that's because the Netflix one itself spends more time in the span of when the festival was supposed to be happening. So the actual okay. events on the island. Now, that's not to say that the Hulu one doesn't. It's just that the Netflix one does more. And I'll explain why it does in a little bit. But he says because that one spends more time in the festival itself. And he is a person that likes to go to music festivals. That's why he enjoyed that one more. Ooh, Whereas okay. I... That's, who, that's interesting. Yeah, exactly. Whereas I, who have never been to a music festival and no desire to go to one... Um, like the one like the Hulu one better because it, it has a lot more leading up to the festival. It gives you a lot more history and background to the Billy McFarlane uh, person and uh, like his, the way he started out and you know how he, you know he, he made the money that he claims that he had and stuff like that. So it, to me giving me more background to the players of the situation was really helpful whereas the other one didn't. Um, and now the reason why the one on Netflix has more footage of what happened on the island as the festival was getting made and, you know, then not happening is because uh, that particular one, the one on Netflix was made by the social media management group. Fuck Jerry. Now they were. Hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. They were uh, instrumental in helping getting the fire festival going uh when it was a thing like they so they have all the inside footage because they were there filming stuff filming promotion to put on social media like one of the the, the lines in the trailer is that uh they literally um weaponized social media to make this thing happen like the way that they went about um advertising to people and and getting the hype up for this festival was was pretty brilliant like the way you can see them just how they describe it in both both documentaries and it's like wow they are they they're absolutely right the way that they did it and the way that they uh the promises they made were, were outstanding and they, i understand why people were shelling out the, the amount of money that they they had to shell out to get uh to this festival but uh it they kind of they don't bring up themselves in the documentary that they participated that they made as opposed to the hulu one which rightfully puts them as almost you know partially or uh equally responsible for all this shit going down because they they knew up to the day of the fire festival happening or supposed to happen that it wasn't going to happen. There's no possible way that it could happen, but yet they were still promoting that it was happening. 
that you should be ready, that you should be getting your friends. Here's more things that you should be buying. Here's more things that more money you should be putting into your bracelet so that you can uh, buy stuff at the festival because you're not allowed to have cash. We're not going to be accepting cash. So you have to, you have to load money digitally onto a bracelet kind of thing. So yeah, it's, like crazy yeah exactly like that's that literally was like one of the reasons like oh this the netflix one does it kind of upsets me that you know they they kind of leave themselves out but you do get the footage that they shot i i feel like i would be in a situation where somebody's like hey do you want to come to a remote island in the middle of nowhere and listen to music with billions of other people? Well, maybe not billions, but like thousands of other people. And by the way, we're not taking cash. You have to put everything on this bracelet. I'd be like, um, uh, yeah, uh, no, I don't think I'm going to, I don't, uh, paying with a bracelet. Yeah. I don't think I want to do that. Uh, sounds a little fishy. Nobody, <laughs> nobody thought like not one person was like, wait a second, this seems off. Like nobody was questioning this. Yeah, exactly. That's it, it. It seems like they should have been, and and that's why I also have a a problem with the uh, the people quote unquote are that were influencers that were, you know, helping promote this festival, knowing very well that they on their side were having problems with getting a hold of the festival coordinators with how you know where's my plane ticket, where's my what's the accommodations going to be like when I get there, kind of stuff. Like there were red flags everywhere for a lot of people to say something and nobody said anything to the general public. No one was looking out mm. for the people that were paying. So, uh, okay. So without obviously I haven't seen this, but so without seeing it, I guess the question I have is that you're talking about red flags and stuff like that, but like, was this just always a scam or was there like a moment where they were like actually trying to make this happen and then it just fell through and instead of canceling it and refunding everything, they're just like, F it, let's keep throwing gasoline on this forest <laughs> fire that we've made. So, okay. So for everybody that isn't Billy McFarlane, this was not a scam. Like, it, like they were like a lot of the people that were working on it, like putting it together were just as much in the dark as as general as the general public mm -hmm. um now billy and then the his few uh underlings i guess is the best way to put it they knew that they had they had absolutely no um footing to stand on like everything underneath their feet was hollow there was like the whole thing was about to collapse but they were they were literally just shoveling water out of the uh, bailing water out of the, the the sinking boat to try and stay afloat. And I think, and to mo to everybody else, they they wanted to put on a a, a super cool, super hip, you know, uh, music festival that could go down in history as a a yearly thing like Coachella or Woodstock or you know whatever else. But Billy himself. It, it was a scam and it wasn't a scam because he know he understands how the perception of money is more powerful than actually well it's not more powerful than having money but it's more powerful than not having money if that makes any sense like the, he understands that if you don't have the money and you can you can make people believe that you do have the money then you can get done just about anything that you need to get done the problem is is that when you are juggling way too many things and you're spreading yourself thin you know, it's, and you don't have the backing like that you need, eventually it's all going to catch up to you. And then the fact that you don't actually have that money is going to get you in a lot of trouble, which did eventually get him in trouble. And I, I mean, I, I, I guess I'm spoiling stuff for you, but it is a documentary. So it's stuff that actually already happened. Um, but Billy McFarland is in jail right now. And his sentence was for six years for wire fraud and, um, uh, stealing money from investors and stuff. So yeah, I mean that's kind of like you're ruining like miracle and being like, oh, the United States beats Russia in a hockey game. It's like what? <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, that happened like forever ago, and it was a real thing. So I don't. Yeah, I don't think you're. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you have to worry about spoilers. <laughs> so, uh, and honestly, I just if 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 you get a chance, I, I you should really watch both of them. I think I th I like I said, I enjoyed the Hulu one bit more, but I think they were both really good and really. Uh, it, uh, it's a real interesting study in where we are as a society at the moment. 
That's uh, yeah, I definitely wanted to. Like I said, I do want to watch it because I saw the you know Netflix uh, force fed me the trailer to it, and I was like, oh, that actually does look uh, really intriguing. I had no idea that Hulu had also done a documentary that they were releasing basically at the same time. So <laughs> yeah, I'm really really fascinated to to check that out for sure. So, uh, all right, that's uh, that's all I wanted to talk about this week. So, uh, do you want a quick fun fact before we go that I, relates to what we were talking about earlier? Yes, I would. All right, so check this out. In January of 2011, Clint Eastwood was announced to be directing Beyonce in the remake of oh, A Star Is Born. That's right. Crazy, right? <laughs> yeah, I remember yeah. that. Pretty wild. Yeah. So there is a little sprinkle of Eastwood in there after all. <laughs> I, I wonder if he was talking to him. Like he was like, "Oh, I'm supposed to do this movie, but maybe it's not going to happen." And then. Who do you know who was that? What was the studio behind that movie? Warner Brothers. So yeah, Warner Brothers was like, or yep. he went to Warner Brothers was like, I want to direct the movie. And I mean, I know he did just sign. Didn't he just sign a an ex? No, that was that was Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan just signed an exclusive uh, deal with Warner Brothers. Wow. Yeah. So. Well, how is that going to play out? Just done in Marvel movies forever, apparently. Well, yeah. I mean, I assume he's going to probably show up in in game for a scene or two, but other than that, uh, Kill, Killmonger's not going to be around. So tragic. <laughs> you know, I, I think that's the reason why a lot of people were throwing out that the whole rumor that he's he might be playing Superman. Like, I don't think it's going to happen, but it's a possibility. That would be pretty intrig- uh, intriguing. Yeah. Have you have you did you watch the trailer for uh uh, uh Bright uh, Brightburn? Oh my god, that looks so good. It's literally like a Superman origin story as told uh, as a horror film. Oh yeah, it's it's there are literal scenes that are from Man of Steel. Like it's this almost shot for shot scene, like w- yeah. when she's talking to him through the door kind of thing. Yeah, that's it's exactly what it is. I saw the trailer, like, I don't remember if it was, like, yesterday or this morning or whatever, but I immediately was like, this is amazing. Like, <laughs> I've got to tell everybody about this. We were, like, watching it at work, and everybody's like, oh, my God. Like, this is so cool. Like, the last shot of, like, super boy, creepy killer kid just, like, <laughs> launching across the thing into the, like, freezer to kill the lady. I was like, oh, my God. I mean, it that's so cool. That's, like, classic James Gunn, though, right? I mean, look at Slither or, um, yep. you know, some of his other stuff. It's 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 literally being, like... Hey, you know that thing you like? Well, let me let me show you a different way. <laughs> yeah, seriously, it looks so cool though. I'm I'm super interested to see what what happens with that. Uh, all right. So, if you have anything you'd like to say to us about these things, you can find me on Twitter. I am at Michipedia G E M. Uh, G E M stands for Geek Elite Media because we are now a Geek Elite Media as opposed to Geek Elite Radio. You can find us everywhere as Geek Elite Media. Richard's also on Twitter as. At Ry Cohen, R-I-C-O-W-N. The rest of Geek Elite Media is at Geek Elite Media on Twitter, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out our website, geekleetmedia.com, for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Media network. Uh, Richard can also be found on his Twitch stream weekly. Yeah, it's a twitch.tv slash Ry Cohen and the number one. R-I-C-O-W-N and the number one. And what are we playing right now? Oh, my gosh, man. So I finally, yesterday, uh, well, yesterday is the time of recording, so I should say. So uh, either way, <laughs> yesterday, I, I started playing Red Dead Redemption 2. And my God, it's so amazing. So good. Awesome. <laughs> Can't wait! Uh, can't wait to see what you do with that. So, uh, until next time, this is the Mitch and Rich Show on the Geekly Media Network. Saying, always remember to geek out. Geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program. This podcast has been brought to you by Cuts by Candice. Candice Gist is a hairstylist that listens to your needs and will work with you to get the right look for you. With 18 years of experience, Candice is the premier stylist that I trust with my look. And right now, if you mention this ad when you make an appointment from now until the end of February 2019 and give our promo code GEEKOUT, you will get 10% off your hair services. Follow Cuts by Candice on Facebook and Cuts underscore Candice on Instagram and start looking the best you you can.